Welcome to Mysteries, Monsters, and Mayhem. I'm Shannon Lawrence. And I'm M.B. Partlow. Quick content warning before we get started. This podcast may contain language and disturbing content, so enter at your own risk. (laughs) Hi. Howdy. (laughs) Howdy, howdy, neighbors. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to break my, out of my hello (laughs) mode, and I realized when we started I didn't have a greeting ready, but. Oh, shit. (laughs) What do I say? Yeah. You know, hello. Hello. (laughs) Hi. How you doing? How you doing? Oh, is it me you're looking for? <laughs> no, I must have How signature you doing? <laughs> oh, that, See, I looked up at my, I keep a copy of The Shining in my freezer. Talk talked oh. to somebody about that yesterday. Yes. <laughs> All right. It's actually sunny outside, but it's not warm. No. <laughs> not it's really. very windy. Yeah. And so I can hear my just... son's door rattling because I know he has his window open because ah. he runs so hot. It's just supposed to get windier. He yeah. said his friends were every other day and he was just like, hey, they've been listening to your podcast. And I just responded, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to know more about your mother than you want them to know about yep. your mother. Well, the weirdest <laughs> connection was thing two was dating someone when she was going to school in Arkansas and his dad was listening to the podcast. Right. Hi. Shout out, I guess. I don't, well, I don't know if he still is weeks and i'm not this week i'm not talking about werewolves (laughs) nor am i (laughs) so that's oh i read elevation because you dropped that off i haven't read the rebecca roan horse yet Uh, but read elevation because it's a quick read by stephen king i had to think about it was a nice little palette cleanser redeeming after i read fairy tale because i didn't really enjoy fairy tale i mean i i didn't hate it so much that i didn't finish it and it's like five thousand pages long it is very long book but elevation was nice and simple and sweet and Mm -hmm. yeah i had mixed feelings about fairy tale i thought it could have started halfway through the book and been good I, it was really funny because I, where the hell was I? Was I traveling? And I read the first half of the book and I was very into it, but then I put it down and I didn't pick it up for probably a month because the second half was like, yeah, it was like two books. Yeah, it was completely two books. And the first book was way longer than it needed to be. I was like, why is this important? And now all of it, I could have more simply gotten to the rest of the story. You could have, you could have included all that information in a more streamlined fashion. Correct. And I was bored as fuck by the first half. Now, second half, more interesting, but I was just, I was so bored. (laughs) Come on. And I love Stephen King, but yeah, that's why I was disappointed though. It's like, it's actually colored my taste for the whole uh, book because Mm-hmm. It was such drudgery to get through the beginning to get to the part that I cared about. Yeah. Yeah. Like, which one do you want? Do you want this to be the movie Up? Or <laughs> do you want this to be a dark fantasy or whatever it was? Now, I just read a book, and I can't I can't remember the title because that would be smart. Um, <laughs> it's, set, it's set in an old motel in Vermont, in London, Vermont. And this guy from London, Vermont, in th- during the war meets this woman from London, England, and they fall in love and get married and come back here. And he builds her a tower of a mini tower of London on the hotel and where, when they build the motel. And then, of course, the highway goes through and they don't get any business, blah, blah, blah. So it's three generations. It's this guy and his wife 
who have built the motel and their two children. And his two the two daughters have this chicken circus that they put on for the <laughs> guests of the hotel. It's hilarious. Um, then it's one of the sisters. It's her daughter. Yeah. Then it's the two sisters. Then it's, oh, Jesus. It jumps back and forth in time. Is this ringing any bells? Yeah, actually. I feel like I read this. Okay, then it could be I got the book from you and I won't give it back to you. <laughs> Okay. Unless you want it back. No, I don't need it okay. back. Yeah, I think that is one I gave you. And nope, I can't remember what it was called or who it was by. So, And it was it was just too much time hopping. And mm. I'd, I'd get in, I'd, I would get to a point where I would say, stop, wait, which, which timeline am I in? And who are we talking about here? And is Rose, because there's a character named Rose, and in one, she's the wife, or no, she's the daughter and then she's the mother, and then she's the grandma, and I'm like, I can't fucking keep straight. <laughs> and and then when I got to the end of the book, I didn't understand why it had to be written that way. Okay. I get some of them, yeah. you know, you go back and you do the back and forth, but it could have told it straight through, I think. Well, but I don't know. I'm on a Natasha Leone kick, and last night I found the. Do you know who that is? I do not. By the puzzle. Have you look watched my Poker face. face? Oh yes. That's Natasha Leon. Oh, okay. She's also, I think, producer on that. And yeah. I've still only seen the first episode, but I really liked it. And I will go back and watch more. Oh, we've we are we're up to date on it. Wow. You are rarely up to date. I know. On that's series. how much both of us Wow. If one or both of us, you know, if one of us uh-huh. isn't as into it as the other, we end up getting slowing down on it. But no, we both really love Poker Face. It's good. And there's a couple, there's a couple, there's been really, okay, one episode where I'm like, uh, I don't want that murderer to get caught. <laughs> I was, so in case anybody hasn't seen it, and since it is a new series, I won't see. There was something that happened in the very first episode that I went, oh, didn't expect that. Oh, yeah. I, well, d- d- so every episode of Poker Face I was confused when I first started why that's what made me think of it cuz there there's a time hop. You see the crime take place. Yes. Basically you get that background the crime take place and then it pops you back to a few days earlier usually cuz mm-hmm. she's she's transient at this point. Yes. And then you see how she was around the person and then how yes. she figures out what really happened. She's on the lamb. Yes. So from the first episode yes. though. So yeah, it's really I just I just love it how was, different it was. It was is. that event that made her have to leave that I went. Yes. Whoa. And now she's just kind of traveling. Guess she'll get a, she'll get a job here for a little bit doing this. And it's always something different. And yeah, it's, I just, I'm really enjoying it. The scene where she walks to the liquor store in her pajamas. Yeah. Just made just me like that, she is all of us. That was the epitome <laughs> of, I do not give a But that's exactly fuck. what, how I see Natasha Leone herself. Uh, is like, is- I don't give a fuck. I'm going to do what I want. What else has she been in? Orange is the New Black. She oh. was in Russian Doll. And of course, she's been it. an actress for fucking ever. I mean, she. It, I so I watched, I went and looked for it, and I found it on HBO Max. Slums of Beverly Hills was the first thing I ever saw her in. Oh. It's got Alan Arkin in it, Marissa Tomei. Oh. It's a good, yeah. And it's it's I this family this in the middle of the night at the beginning, the dad, Alan Arkin, wakes up his kids and says, we're moving. And what he does is he stays into place for a little bit and then he rousts his kids in the middle of the night and they skip out without paying. Ah. Yes. Okay. So then, the, but they're in the, the slums of Beverly Hills. It's the first thing I've ever seen that really shows you huh. 
in movies, Beverly Hills is always the big. Oh, it's mansions and movie stars. Yes, it's the Beverly Hills. Nowhere is all mansions and movie stars, right? And that's the one movie. Also, it's a great coming of age story for women, which we don't have very many of. I will have to look because at the very beginning, she's popped and she has she's busty and she's fairly young. I don't remember. She's about to start high school the next year. Oh wow! And so she's a C cup at this point, and all she has is her dad. And two brothers. And her dad takes her to get her first bra, right? And that's awkward in its own. And mm -hmm. she's figured out. And then she's wearing a halter top, right? And her dad's like, where's your brassiere? And she says, you can't wear a brassiere with a halter top. And he's like, go get... And he makes her put on her... Got her bra. damn her bra, With and she's wearing a so all you see is white, 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 white because it's set back ways. Yeah. I don't remember what year. Anyway, there wow. it's 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 a cute movie, and she's that's she established her Natasha Leoness in this. I will look for that because yeah, I you know really, like how Jodie Foster was very distinctively yes. Jodie Foster. Natasha Leone was very she had a lot of personality, and this is how she got cast. And she was on Pee Wee's Playhouse, by the way. As <gasps> I've forgotten that her was name. She but missed she was Yvonne. No, no she it was like Opal enough. or it's some sort of name like that. I don't remember what it is. And since I really didn't watch it all that much, I have no I idea. did, but I was always hungover. She was young. But she was in six episodes huh. as whatever this character was. I don't remember if it's Opal or it's not Pearl, but anyway. Because that was, you would get up on Saturday morning and make a mimosa and watch Peely's Playhouse. She's in American Pie. She's in, she's in a ton of stuff. Damn. Yeah. All right. She, she gets around in terms of like acting thing, and she's a producer now. So, hmm. I think she has her own production company. That's what I couldn't believe about when I finally watched Fleabag. Oh yeah, she wrote. Yeah, and starred in that hilarious, we desperately wanted it to keep going. Yes. It but was. she made it, and now she's not going to do it anymore. I think. But that's a a very British thing is to do something. For the time it takes to tell the story. They don't keep a series going for 80,000 years just because they can. They tell, like, um, Life on Mars, that was just one or two seasons. And they finished the story, and boom, they were done. I found a new show. Did you ever watch Jane the Virgin? I think I watched, like, an episode. Okay. I really like the actress that was in that. I went into that show very hesitant and then mm-hmm. ended up loving the whole mock telenovela thing and I think, the characters. Yes, my niece song really liked that. Yeah. I think I watched a couple of episodes with her. Well, I really like the actress. I think she's very endearing mm-hmm. and engaging and she has a good sense of comedic timing that's really perfect even in feely things, you know? Yes. So she has a new show. I think I found it on Hulu and it's called something like Still Alive, Still Living. Not Dead Yet. Not Dead Yet. Oh, I'm watching that. that. Yeah, that's her. Oh. And the so the guy who is playing the autistic roommate is autistic in real life and discovered it as an adult that that's what was happening with him. I love that relationship. Because I looked it up because I was like, that is the most like it's so on point (laughs) in that he's yes, he's and it's not exaggerated. It's not stereotypical. It's not making fun of Mm -hmm. it. And so I looked him up and sure enough. Right, oh. he is, and I believe he's the producer or something like that on the yeah. show too, or a director or whatever. I don't remember or a writer. Have you or seen all of the above? The latest episode yet? I don't know. I've watched. Did we watch? I think we only watched two so far because we don't know what night the new one pops oh, up. I have no idea. I have it set. I have my DVR set to record it on network whenever it plays. Okay. Oh, I did. We just go to the streaming. Cool. Thing. So, yeah. but. 
It's so basically it's about for people who don't know, she gets a job. She's kind of hit bottom. She used to be a journalist, really. And so she's gone back to where she was a journalist before and they've let her write the obituaries. Yes. And she's being visited by the ghosts of the people she's writing the obituaries for. Yes. So it's it's just like good, clean fun. Yeah. I the the most recent one, it's somebody she went to high school with. Then no. It's, I don't think so. Okay. I saw the guy whose wife she meets and then the the woman who is like the oh. self-help person. Yes. Oh, Lord. Yes. <laughs> We've talked about people like that. Yes. We have. We have. <laughs> All right. Well, do you want so, to start? I will. Do you enjoy going to the grocery store? If so, this message is not for you. But if you're like me and procrastinate going to the store, Instacart is a fantastic option to ensure you no longer have to. Save yourself a trip and go through Instacart, where you can get a delivery through a personal shopper in as little as one hour. My experiences have been great so far, with my personal shopper texting me before substituting another product, letting me know when they were on their way to my house, and letting me know it had been delivered, all via text. If you click on our affiliate link in the show notes or on our website, you get free delivery on your first order over $35 and you help out our show at the same time. It's the perfect time to give it a try. So content warning, (laughs) but not for the reasons you would think. This is not the Bloody Bender family, despite some similarities. (laughs) They had a distinctive Old West Kansas kind of a vibe, whereas Lavinia was practicing her spectacular brand of personality in Charleston, South Carolina. Mm -hmm. So Charleston is, I don't even, I don't even know how I came up with Lavinia, but I found the reference. It was so, parts of it are so similar to the Bender family that I had to go back and reread the Bender family, make sure this isn't, none of them were named Lavinia, were they? (laughs) Yeah. So Lavinia Fisher was born in 1793 in Charleston, South Carolina. So legend, there's a lot of building up here uh legend labels her as the first american female serial killer and we've talked about that before she, she just the bullshit yeah <laughs> she may be the first one that was caught they don't even know now they're going back and looking at, at her again she is apparently a famous figure in charleston hmm. so they aren't sure now that she even killed anybody although she did hang about with brigands and highwaymen scoundrels who doesn't want to hang out with scoundrels? Thieves. They're the most fun. Yeah, but really. Um, so no records remain about where she was born. We don't know her maiden name. We really don't know any of her family history. But what we do, what is known about her is that she was attractive, she was charming, and she was very popular with her neighbors. Her, You know, everybody liked her. Charismatic, even. Perhaps. She has Riz. It's what it's slang. I read about it on Facebook and I had to keep following the conversation because somebody was told they didn't have Riz. Rude. And this person was like, what is it? And yes, I do. <laughs> How dare you? And But what are you saying? But it's it's short for charisma. <laughs> then he was really upset. But yeah, I had to keep reading to see oh, young people. Anyway. <laughs> But I actually like the word charisma, and so I don't want to shorten it, because it's actually a nice word. I like it. It is. So, Lavinia and her husband, John, owned and ran the Six Mile Wayfarer House, named because it was six miles north of Charleston. 
Incidentally, there was also a, I believe, a five-mile house and a four-mile house. So so simple learning <laughs> yeah. conventions. Uh, one rumor contends that travelers checked in and never checked out. <laughs> like Roach Motel. <laughs> um, Hotel Hill. So someone made a report to the local authorities, uh, the sheriff, who found no evidence. Uh, they, they The first time they went out, they were like, well, these travelers go into their home and they are never heard from again. Which happened a lot. Again, reference the bloody benders. However, the benders didn't live in, I mean, Charleston was pretty big and pretty populous. So the benders were in Kansas in a more remote area. It would seem harder to do in a place like Charleston. Yeah, a bigger, more thriving metropolis, say. Yeah. So the first time it was investigated, there was no evidence and in addition, the locals, the people who lived around them, were like, fuck off. No, we like these people. They're good people. They bring in some tourism dollars. Let's exactly. Not, let's not oust them. So Lavinia purportedly invited lone travelers back to the inn for dinner and would proceed in the course of pleasant conversation to ask the unsuspecting travelers questions that would ascertain whether or not they would be profitable victims. Where are you from? What do you do for a living? Do you make a good living at that? <laughs> you know. After dinner, Lavinia would send them toddling off to bed with a lovely cup of tea. The tea, of course, was drugged. So in one version, version one, after they fell into a drug stupor, John Fisher would enter the room to beat them and rob them. Mm-hmm. Or kill them and rob them. In version two, after they had fallen asleep, Lavinia would pull a lever that would drop the travelers into a pit. And that's the Bender connection. Because there yeah. was a pit at the Bender house. Some maintain that the pit was full of spikes. I could not confirm that. Yeah. Yeah. That seems like a lot of work. I mean, sounds fun, but. <laughs> <laughs> sounds very Tasmanian devilly. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, okay. One account says that in February of 1819, a vigilante group decided to take matters into their own hands to stop reported gang activity in the area. These were sort of like the aristocrats downtown who lived in downtown Charleston. So uh, they marched north. They burned down Five Mile House, then threatened to burn down Six Mile House if the residents didn't flee. They're like, we're sick of you abusing the travelers. You know, we're going to bring you. And and remember, Five Mile House was only a mile away. So they can see the smoke. So they left. Ours was Three Mile House. Which was. Ours they was didn't, Seven Mile House. Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> so the vigilantes returned to Charleston while leaving a man named David Ross to stand watch. A young man named David Ross, who was apparently alone in the house. When the angry residents returned. So the next morning, they were not happy. They were not happy with him. They were not happy in general. They attacked him. And he apparently, the story goes, so they grab him and rough him up. And he spots Lavinia and looks to her for help. Because, you know, she's female. She's the tender sex. She's going to help him. But apparently she, I wrote down that she physically ex- assaulted him but what happened was she grabbed him and shoved his head through a window and tried to choke him (laughs) don't fuck with Lavinia I like it do not threaten to burn my house down (laughs) so he managed to escape the gang's clutches and hightailed it back to Charleston of course 
So shortly after, like right after this happens, I called it a kerfluffle. <laughs> then I thought, is it kerfuffle or kerfluffle? And then did you look it up? I did not. Oh. I'd already it's typed. It's like sherbet versus sherbet and yes. smorgasbord. Yes. I was. I think I always said it smorgasbord. Yes. And then I learned that wasn't true. So there's three for everybody. Yes. <laughs> pamphlet. Oh, no. I always pamphlet. knew that was pamphlet. Oh, I thought it was pamphlet. Oh. Anyway, where was I? After the kerfluffle, <laughs> a traveler named John Peoples, who was visiting from Georgia, came to Six Mile House and asked for a room. And at first, Lavinia told him that, unfortunately, there were no vacancies, but he was welcome to come in and rest and have some tea. And I was like, Lavinia, you're ruining ruining things for us tea drinkers. <laughs> Could you not have poisoned the whiskey? Anyway, he was a very polite man and he couldn't refuse the tea. But he couldn't stand tea. He, just, he was not a tea drinker. So when she wasn't looking, he poured it out. I have this image of him pouring it into a potted plant. Like yeah. yeah. I don't know where he poured it. Could have been on the floor. It, but At that point, probably. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, but in my imagination, it's in a potted palm. Anyway, unaware of this deception, Lavinia goes about with her usual line of questions into the state of his personal finances. And once he had answered to her liking, she miraculously remembered that she did, did in fact, have a room available. Wasn't he lucky? Yes. So even though Peoples was polite, he was not a moron. So all of these questions had made him fearful about being robbed in his sleep. Well, yeah. Why? Why? Yeah. <laughs> why answer financial questions? Yes, and it's one thing, other than do you have the cash to pay me right now? Well, yes, and it's one thing making conversation to say what do you do for a living? Yeah, and it would be another to say do you enjoy being a watchmaker? I don't know. Whatever. I wrote a story about this, and she's <laughs> like, she she was was trying to find creative ways to dig and be like, do you have anybody who'll be following up about you? Like, <laughs> like that without being obvious yes uh, anyway so yeah he's like whoa he decides to sleep in a wooden chair just inside the door of his room instead of getting into the bed and in the middle of the night a loud crash woke him up as the bed collapsed into a large hole under the floor so seeing what the fishers had planned for him peoples jumped out the window and rode into Charleston to alert the fabled authorities. So the hole was big enough for the whole bed? Yeah, apparently I you'd have to like build a new bed every time. Well, I don't know if it was like a trap door and it swung down and if the bed was attached was to attached. the floor, then it would This is like a cartoon. It is. <laughs> All we need is Wiley e. Coyote yeah. and an anvil. Where was I? Okay, so Local authorities now had two witnesses who would name names to the members of this mysterious gang, and they hurried back out to Six Mile House. The sheriff searched the house and had the grounds dug up, and secret passages were found, plus items that the sheriff linked to several missing travelers. They found tea, which was laced with an herb known to put people to sleep. It was very vague on that point. I'm like, there are a lot of herbs that will make you relaxed and mm -hmm. sleepy. I'm like, was it chamomile? I mean, what, <laughs> you know. That is a poor plan there. Because uh, chamomile has never put anybody uh, to yeah. sleep that but lives I, in this house. It never mentioned specifically yeah. what it was. So I'm like, yeah, there's no, there's no uh, legend here. 
They found a mechanism that would open the floorboards underneath the bed, and human remains were reportedly found on the premises. But none of the the human remains could never be conclusively linked to the fissures in their building. Yeah. So okay. Uh, if there's a dead that's body, that's really reassuring for me. That if the bodies in my home are found, they can't be linked to me. Well, in 1819 forensics, they couldn't be directly linked. Like Lavinia wasn't wearing a watch that <laughs> belonged to one of the dead people. Okay. So here's a heartwarming moment in this story. Chivalry was alive and well. In order to, you mean Riv? <laughs> no. <laughs> In order to protect Lavinia, her husband John gave up the identity the identities of all the alleged gang members to keep her out of it. Didn't work. He ratted them out for nothing. At their arraignment, the Fishers both pled not guilty. They were ordered to be held in jail until their trial, which would happen in May, but all their co-conspirators were allowed free on bail. At their trial, they were found guilty of highway robbery, which is a capital offense. Okay. Uh, They appealed and were granted a reprieve until the January session of the court. So court only happened twice a year. Of note, the two were confined in the same six foot by eight foot cell in the old city jail in Charleston. Mm -hmm. Now think, think about being in a six by eight foot space with your husband for months. (laughs) neither of us would enjoy that that much no i can't i don't think anybody we like our company each other's company but we need breaks yes exactly (laughs) this anyway all this togetherness allowed them to plot their escape they somehow contrived to make a rope out of prison linens and on september 13th put their plan into action but it wasn't a very good plan the rope broke So, John is free on the ground. Livia is stuck in the cell. And yet again, he refused to leave without her and was quickly taken back into custody. Aw. Yes. It's it's actually a romance. It is. It is a romance. (laughs) Um, Needless to say, security was tightened and they probably didn't get any more prison linens. (laughs) No sheets for you. Just sleep directly on the lice. They're they're soft. Ew. Ah, now I'm itchy. Okay, on February 4th, 1820, both fishers were sentenced to hang. Now, John found religion when they were offered the counsel of a local minister. One article referred to Lavinia as cruel because she didn't want any religious counseling. And I'm like, I'll take cruel. <laughs> I'm like, just because she doesn't want Johnny Jesus lecturing her after the fact. That was it. Doesn't mean she's straw. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, I'm stuck in a six by eight foot cell. My <laughs> rope broke. Cool. And now you want me to listen to Jesus. Um <laughs> so on the day of the hangings, John's spiritual advisor, whose name was Reverend Richard Furman, read a letter from John about how he was a new man after having found Christ. He alternately forgave the people who had wrongly convicted them convicted him in the letter and then he spoke to the crowd and begged their forgiveness for his crimes against them. Make up your mind, John. Guilty or innocent. You did it or you didn't. 
You cannot forgive them for falsely accusing you and then ask them to forgive you for the crimes. <laughs> so the crowd, which was rumored to be around 2,000 people, they were not buying it. Not any of it. Lavinia, on the other hand, assumed up until the morning of her execution that she was going to be pardoned. She requested to wear her wedding dress. She refused to walk to the gallows and had to be carried. Her last words were, If any of you have a message for the devil, tell me now, for I shall be seeing him shortly. Those are great last words. She screamed this at the crowd. The noose is already around her neck. She runs and jumps off the scaffold and kills herself. I love this woman. Right? (laughs) That's the best. She's like, fuck all y'all. Yeah. So the thing is, in retrospect, looking back, historians are looking back and they're like, they don't want to say it because this is a big, you know, the ghost walks that we were talking about with um, Mark, Mark Leslie. They do the ghost walks and they all talk about her because they believe her ghost still haunts the old Charleston jailhouse. And now historians are going, yeah, maybe it didn't actually happen that way. She may have been wrongly. Not that she was an absolutely stellar citizen, but they couldn't, nothing was ever proved. It wasn't like the Bender house where there were lots of dead bodies Mm -hmm. and, you know, decomposing in the dungeon underneath the house. So. Okay. But they built her up. She's a Charleston legend. So. Fun. If I ever go there, I will. Because she has some of the best last words ever. Yes. Oh, my God. If you have a message for the devil. I love a great last word. Tell me. Unless I'm so horribly disgusted with the person that I'm like, screw you. You think you're clever. But it was the (laughs) fact that after shouting this at the crowd, she she jumps. Yeah, she's, that's badass. That, she didn't want to go out there, but once she's out there, she's like, okay, fine, I'm going to die. Yeah. <laughs> so I do want to give my sources. Oh, my true crime a day calendar. <laughs> Thank you, Amy, for my new true crime a day calendar. Uh, Wikipedia and legendsofamerica.com. I do enjoy Legends of America, especially for Wild West. They, they sometimes have some really good stuff. Yeah. I hate it, though, when they start going, well, but the facts show. I'm like, no, no, just give me the story. <laughs> No, no, no. All right. So I'm doing an unsolved mystery. Ooh. Now you know. Love an unsolved mystery. Give away the ending. No, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) This is one of my favorites, and it's one that I might not have heard of had it not been for finally dumping talented and gifted English, tag English, and going (laughs) in my junior year back to, you know, like, I don't know, poor man's English. Like, what is it? No. (laughs) I was like, I'm done with this. And I just went and took the normal. Gen Ed English. English class. And I quite enjoyed it, actually. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) so, so different. (laughs) Anyway, on December 15th, 1900, the Arc Tour a transatlantic steamer ship from Philadelphia bound for Layeth past, oh no, Alien Moor. I was like, I watched a video to remember how to say this, and now I'm so fucking tired today, I've forgotten. <laughs> the tallest of a set of seven aisles along the Scottish coast called the Seven Hunters. And notice the lighthouse perched atop the aisle's peak, 150 feet above the sea, was not lit. 
It should have been. The lighthouse had been completed the previous year, having taken four years to build, and was manned at all times by at least three keepers. The Arctur didn't reach Leith for three more days, but when they did, they notified the Northern Lighthouse Board that something was wrong. I love that there is a whole board and all this yeah. stuff around it. I never thought about it. I just thought like a town was all, hey, let's keep ships from crashing. And they, <laughs> and they built a lighthouse and somebody lived in it. You know, like, I didn't know there was a whole widespread board and all this stuff. Hesperus, the relief ship, arrived on December 26th, Boxing Day. So, again, it was noticed it was not lit on the 15th. Oh, wow. The and they relief ship arrived on the 26th. Okay. They had been due on the 21st, but storms had kept them away. The captain, Jim Harvey, shot off a flare and sounded his horn, which was standard. Typically, there would have been a response from the lighthouse keepers, including the raising of a flag. Because what they would do is they'd put the flag up and that said, hey, we've seen you. We'll be down shortly. (laughs) You know, like, please hold. (laughs) (laughs) While they run down the stairs. But no one responded. On the ship were the men sent to relieve those already on the aisle, including Joseph Moore. In addition to flying the flag, the usual keepers would have sent someone down then, right? Yeah. Here's the flag. Okay, we have our coats and our wellies on, and we'll go down there. And they'd go out. They would row out to the larger ship, pick up the replacements, and come back. The ship did not come up. Oh, okay. To the island. And, of course, no rowboat came out. Because the aisle was steep and craggy, there was a landing area, then 160 steep steps carved into the cliff face that lit up to the top, Ugh. where a grassy hill would then be, it's, I'm post, I'm going to post pictures because this is all still in existence. Ugh. And I was like, you would be so tired when you're like, <gasps> and you have to carry all your belongings. Yes. And supplies. And then you'd still have to go up this grassy hill. To get to the actual White House. Because, you know, they put it as high as they could so I could have that visibility. I'm pretty sure I would have to stop at least at the top <laughs> of the stairs and throw up. Well, and also, <laughs> just think about Oceanside Steps. They're going to be. They're wet. Wet If it's slippery. cold, this is December. They're icy. There's probably types of moss or something that are on there that make it slick. <laughs> we stayed in a rental in, in Carlsbad, <gasps> California. I remember and that. All of us biffed it at one point on those damn steps. I would never, ever want to have a property with steps like that I had to go down. I hated it. I was like, no, I would have torn that shit out and I would have put like sand or stone or whatever going down. So a path, a gradient, (laughs) these steps, fuck no. That would be the first (laughs) thing I did if I were rich enough to buy that house is rip those bastards right out. Okay, so they were able to get more and another man to the landing area, and more headed up while the other man stayed behind down there with the boat. There were three large blackbirds who had perched at the top of the steps, and and one thing, like a few stories were like they flew out of the lighthouse. Like, no, they were, but they were perched up there. These uh-huh. three big blackbirds didn't leave, and this was the thing that he noticed. What Moore found is a mystery that has endured to today, inspiring a famous poem, which is how I found out about this mystery, oh. called Flannan Isle by Wilfred Wilson Gibson as well as books, songs, and movies. I actually had to analyze that poem, and I quite enjoyed it, actually. The poem was where I first heard about it. So, yes. Like, I went back and read it to do this, but it's too long for me to actually Because <laughs> I think at this point, it's no more. It's not protected anymore, and I technically could, but it's, it's a good one. Look it up. It's free online, unlike some poetry website I found it. The three men who were supposed to be in the lighthouse were James Duckett, I was pronouncing it Ducat because it's D-U-C-A-T. And then I listened to a video by a person actually from Scotland. And they were like, <laughs> duck it. And I was like, oh, I had no idea. I've pronounced that name 
wrong throughout history then. <laughs> Thomas Marshall and William MacArthur. They had arrived at the lighthouse with Robert Muirhead. I didn't look up how to say that. The superintendent of lighthouses. Ooh. Superintendent of lighthouses. I love it. <laughs> I don't know why. I just do. It's so official. All of this lighthouse shit. On December 7th, assigned to a two-week rotation. So, yes, they, that's why they were due back on the 21st and all of that. They would do a two-week rotation because they're living oh, isolated. Because there's nothing else on this island. Mm-hmm. That, well, there were sheep. We'll get into that. <laughs> there were frequent fogs on the aisle. Duh. So even though there was someone assigned to check in on the keepers via telescope from the mainland, they said so uh, that way they could signal if something had gone wrong. Right. This person had only been able to see through the fog on the 7th, which was the night they'd arrived, the 12th. And then on the 14th, the ship had passed and the light had been lit on the 14th. That's how they know the ship went down on okay. the 15th when the light never got lit. Duckett, the principal keeper, and MacArthur, the third assistant, who was the relief worker for a sick employee who had stayed back, and he was, and that person was technically the second assistant, were both married. And, no, sorry, first assistant was the one who wasn't there. They had a whole ranking. But both those men were married and they had children. And okay. all I could find was they had six children between them, but not how that was split. Hmm. MacArthur was familiar with the sea, having been a mariner, and he was known to get into brawls. He was considered a big, tough guy. And Marshall was the second assistant. And all of these men were familiar with the sea. These men had grown up near the sea. I don't know which of them had been on ships, except for the one, you know, but they were all more than familiar with the sea. And if you live by the sea, and if you've been on the sea in a boat, and you've done that for you know that the sea is mm-hmm. widely, right? You know yeah. that things can happen out of nowhere. And that's why it's important to establish they knew what they were doing, and they knew the sea. When Moore arrived at the lighthouse, the gate was closed and the door unlocked. I'm surprised they had a lock on an island, Uh, but they did. He entered to find that a partially eaten meal thought to be dinner was on the table. A chair was knocked over, the clock had stopped, and two of the three oilskin coats were missing from the hooks, along with their wellies or whatever they'd call them, the boots. MacArthur's remained. Looking at the sleeping quarters, the beds had not been made, which was extremely unusual for lighthouse keepers. Just as with someone in the military, keepers were kept mm-hmm. to strict regiments, and that's what they did. And there, there were three in there. There'd have to be a reason that they didn't make their bed. That in the all morning. three of them didn't, unless yeah. uh, they unless like they'd gone to had one person was up late having dinner, and the other two uh, were maybe sleep. You know, I don't yeah. know. Other clocks had been found to be stopped as well. All the clocks in this building were stopped. Well, because what year was this? Yeah, I think they were wind up wind clocks. clocks. Not so. one article said that. And I was like, you just want this to be mysterious. Yeah. But, but what it, it is, is it's been like a couple weeks or whatever, or close that, to two nobody weeks. Nobody wound them up. Of course they ran down. Precisely. That's okay. what I think. I was amazed, though. Not one place mentioned that. They were all like, the clocks had mysteriously stopped. stopped. And I'm like, oh, you mean when they wound down? Okay. <laughs> there was one living thing in the lighthouse. A canary in its cage had survived that long, starving, but still alive. And I have no more updates for that. I'm oh. hoping they fed that poor little bird. It was like, let me out. Moore returned to the ship and let them know what he'd found. More men were sent up to search the otherwise uninhabited mm-hmm. island, but no sign of the men was found. Nothing. Not a piece of clothing, not huh. anything left behind. Captain Harvey sent a telegram to headquarters, which was located in Edinburgh, telling them a dreadful accident has happened at Flannins. This is a quote. The three keepers, Duckett, Marshall, and the occasional, since he was like the tenth worker. Oh. <laughs> 
have disappeared from the island. On our arrival there this afternoon, no sign of life was to be seen on the island. Fired a rocket, but as no response was made, managed to land Bohr, who went up to the station but found no keepers there. The clocks were stopped and other signs indicated that the accident must have happened a week ago. Poor fellows, they must have been blown over the cliffs or drowned trying to secure a crane or something like that. Night coming on, we could not wait to make something as to their fate. I have left Moore, McDonald, Bowie Master, and two seamen on the island to keep the light burning until you make other arrangements. Will not return to Oban until I hear from you. I have repeated this wire to Muirhead in case you are not at home. I will remain at the telegraph office tonight until it closes if you wish to wire me. That's such a long telegraph, yeah, isn't it? <laughs> Muirhead returned on the next ship to investigate himself. In looking at the logbook, some strange entries were found. The second, Marshall had written on December 12th, quote, Gale north by northwest, sea lash to fury, never seen such a storm, waves very high, tearing at lighthouse, everything ship shape, James Duckett irritable. <laughs> Another entry that same day said, Storm still raging, wind steady, storm bound, cannot go out, ship passing, sounding foghorn, could see lights of cabins, Duckett quiet, Donald MacArthur is crying. Bear in mind that MacArthur was the one known to be like a big tough brawler and all of that, and he had he and he had been the the seaman. He had weathered storms in ships, it which to said, me would be far more terrifying. Uh, yeah, it just said he's crying. Yes. Okay. Yep. On December thirteenth, the log entry read: Storm continued through night. Wind shifted west by north. Duck it quiet. MacArthur pray, praying. Later that same day, noon, gray daylight. Me, Duckett, and MacArthur prayed. There was no entry on the 14th. On the 15th, the only entry was written on a slate, which was common. They would write them on there, and then they'd transfer them to the book if they had a note to make. It said, storm ended, sea calm. God is over all. It was weird to people because these men weren't in general known to be religious. Mm -hmm. And here they are praying multiple times and stuff like that. The kicker here was that there had been no storms. It wasn't that far off the coast, right, of the mainland. In fact, storms hadn't come around until the 17th. Two days after the men had disappeared, according to the passing ships and the logbook, the isle was visible to the mainland, and they would have known if there were storms. Fog is? Storms, no. The only other clues found were ropes that had fallen to the landing platform. These ropes were usually in a large crate, which was 70 to 100 feet above the platform. The crate was smashed. A portion of iron railing was bent, and a bit of railing along the ground. They called it, like, they called it something that didn't make sense to me, so... We're just calling it railing on the ground. (laughs) (laughs) Had been pulled up from the concrete. On a cliff 200 feet above the sea, the ground had been torn up and a massive rock displaced. Huh. As I mentioned before, there were strong protocols in place for light keepers. One of these was that one man always had to remain back in the lighthouse. They they were not all three supposed to have gone out. Never. Ever. And that ensured that if something happened, there's someone to signal the mainland for help and to keep the light burning until that help arrived. Because, above all, they're trying to keep ships Ships from from crashing on the rocks. And this was a, like, there are maps you can look at. It's just, it's very, there's rocks sticking up that aren't big enough to be islands. And then there's the seven islands amidst those. It's Mm -hmm. a whole archipelago of, you know, and so it was important. (laughs) The final report would theorize that Duckett and Marshall had gone out to tend to the crate, which had been damaged in the storm. Something had been wrong. MacArthur, who would have been in the lighthouse as was required, had rushed out without donning his coat. That's why his coat was left behind. Again, it was December in the Hebrides Islands. It was cold and damp. Yes. (laughs) And so they figured whatever, you know, he got swept away then by a big gust of wind or a wave or something. And again, they're 150 to 200 feet above the sea level. And I was like, how big? (laughs) 
waves get there? I don't know. As to why they'd venture out in a nasty storm, Marshall had previously gotten in trouble and was fined five shillings for losing equipment in a previous storm. Because ah. he did not go out to get it. So that was one of the things, because it's like, so just wait it out. And then go get what shit there is. And then when they come out, tell them that you need more ropes. He might have insisted on going out to reclaim the items loosened because of this. Interestingly, the island was known for being haunted already. Or having negative spirits or entities on it. It was thought to be bad luck to spend the night there, actually. There was a chapel on the island in honor of St. Flannan that he had built in the 7th century. Oh, my God. You know, for himself. And sheep also lived there. But the sheep herders would only come over to watch their flocks during the day. And they would skedaddle before night fell because they were afraid of being there at night. But apparently the ghost didn't like to eat sheep. So it was fine. Um, Probably super safe from predators. Can we come back to the sheep? Uh-huh. I can wait till the end, or we can talk about the sheep now. Okay, we can talk about the sheep now. What fucking sense does it make to keep your sheep on an island? Grass and no competition. So, are you keeping them as pets? Because if you want to eat them or shear them... They'd do it there. Yeah, like the sheep herders would come over and they'd do their thing. That just seems so inefficient. It might have been also that the town was packed enough that maybe there wasn't a lot of good grazing land. And so utilizing the islands was something they did. I was trying to picture them getting them there. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to think about. Either getting the live sheep there or getting the dead sheep off. Because I know the lighthouse had taken four years to build, right? And had just been built. But how long were the steps there? That I could not find. Were the steps already there because of the shepherds? And yeet the sheep onto the island? And I, again, will have pictures of this, but the landing platform, it just, that you weren't just pulling up a rowboat and stepping onto this platform. It mm-hmm. was much higher because it had to be above a certain oh. level, yes. And so I I feel like they were, had to climb, or maybe that's what the crane was used for sometimes, or, you know. So, yeah, I'm totally now distracted by the idea of how... They first got the sheep. Once you get enough sheep there, it's a self-sustaining. Right. But at the beginning, I'm like, did they just take a couple pregnant moms and plonk them on there and then I, take some, whatever they call Rams. Rams. And, uh, yeah. and they were like, propagate. Okay. If anybody knows anything about Scottish sheep herding and islands, please let us <laughs> know. Cool. Let us know. Because now I'm all, this is going to bug me for it's, days. It's weird. I'm just <laughs> like, and there you are alone on the island with sheep. Sheep. They even called the island the other country. Like, it was a whole mystical thing. Wow. There are stories about people feeling a need to pray when on the island, even if they weren't religious, and of rituals involving the desiccated chapel, because by this time it fall, it was from the 7th yeah. century. It's, and, like, there was a thing where some people felt they had to circle the chapel on their knees. and there, So all this stuff, it's, there's a lot to it. Other theories involved a longboat having been sighted, supposedly, that had possibly involved a kidnapping. A giant bird or sea serpent, because they still Uh, were, you know, carrying them in away. A ghost ship had spirited them away. Or them having been taken into the spirit world because the other country. The men were all tough and inexperienced, and the weird reports in the logbook of both weather that wasn't accurate and strange behavior on the part of the men cast doubt on natural reasons for their death. It was also felt their bodies would have washed up on shore, at least one of them, but they were never seen again. And again, this is like a chain of islands, and there's ocean, the side they fell off on, there's ocean, and then a little bit, and then there's the mainland. So they should have swept up somewhere along this line. And by this time, they would have mapped 
the the currents. They would know where right. to look for and the body. bodies never came back. Huh. It should be noted I found one article. One article saying it's claimed the logbook entries were actually faked years later. Like they got added into oh. a story and I could totally see that happening. Yep. And that would make more sense actually because it didn't seem first of all there was no storm. <laughs> right? Like from the mainland, no storm. Second of all Probably that dude wasn't, I was like, did somebody have a bone to pick with him or something? They're like, yeah, that bitch MacArthur was crying. I don't know. It would have been funny if it it had been worded that way. That bitch MacArthur was crying. Right? Right. Whatever they would have called him there at that time. So that does kind of make things make more sense. But but it still means that. But what happened a to wall them? or something had to have like how did a two hundred foot wave or whatever sweep them away and how were two of them taken out and then one of them came and got taken out again when these men knew what they were doing yeah they would have if you've got these giant waves then at some point common sense says fuck it I'll pay five shillings for the ropes yes but he was supporting a family and so you know anyway. Finally, it was theorized that one of the men had lost it and killed the others, or that a fight had broken out on the cliffside, because he was, so they blame this on MacArthur, because he was the known fighter, and they had plummeted to their deaths in this fight. You know, so just thrown each other over. And again, it was thought MacArthur would be the most likely to kill or start (laughs) a fight, because he did also have a very short temper, and he enjoyed his uh, brawls. Okay. As far as the clocks... We've already discussed that, so I don't even have to go into it, but it had been 11 days. So they don't even last, like, what, you wind them every week, right, basically? I don't remember. I mean, I know I've... My parents' grandfather clock, they were winding once a week. That seems right. If they were swept away, it would have been because they were down on the landing dock, because otherwise I'm like, really, if there's no storm, are the waves crashing all the way up there? At the minimum from up there. And you'll see, it's just it's just this huge <laughs> island just straight up hills on all the sides. It's There's no gradual entry to this now, island. I could see falling off the stairs, but not all but three not all of them. Three. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, shit, he just went over. Oh, look, there I go. <laughs> if I saw one person fall, I might, I don't know, use one of those ropes to attach my... Then again, there's constantly those videos of, this is why men have shorter lifespans. Oh, yeah. And they're like, they've got a ladder... Hold my beer. ...spread over two banisters or uh, something, yeah. and they're standing on it over or this two, drop. Or two so who knows? They're like, I'm not going to fall like him. <laughs> <laughs> but two of them to do... Well, yes, but then a third one without even his coat, which really, the chair knocked over, the coat still being inside, really looks like rushing out. Yes, the meal partially, you know, unless they said, come out with us. And he was pissed off and said, fine, fuck you. I'll leave my dinner here. And he tossed down his chair and he, they said, get your coat. And he said, fuck my coat. You know, like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe, maybe somebody was sick of having salt pork for the third day in a row. Yeah. (laughs) Like, fuck this pork. All right. And then, so was the, the damage to the railing? Was that wind? Was that water? Like what did that? Yeah. What did the damage and the stuff that we're seeing? I'm still going with Kraken. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's why I love this story, though. Because no matter what, something odd happened. Like, even if it was a freak wave, twice in a row. Yeah. That took out three grown-ass men who knew the sea. That's still kind of crazy. Yeah. And their body's not turning up. 
until the lighthouse became automated, which it is now, and so now it's completely unmanned. Keepers who stayed there reported hearing the three men's names called out by voices. The Hunter Islands were so named because as part of an archipelago, they stretched it out along with rocks that stuck up out of the sea, like I've already kind of said. And it's all along this area of the coastline. It's up here at the top, if you want to look at that big island that makes up. You don't think they can hear your hand gesture? United Kingdom, (laughs) whatever, British Isles, all that shit, whatever. Um, (laughs) And so they're all along there. And I think I, I did. I do have a map that I'll put on Instagram for the pictures. And it was well known for tearing up ships. That's why they put this lighthouse there to to save lives. And of course, it did. I'm sure it saved plenty yes. of them. But it also cost a few <laughs> with these lighthouse keepers. But no further lighthouse keepers were murdered by the Kraken, so it moved on. My sources were Pan McMillan, Historic Mysteries, Dark Curiosities, Royal Museums, Greenwich. Mental Floss, Historic UK, and History UK. And that Dark Curiosities was the Scottish video I, I watched. I wonder if they were allowed to have alcohol. You know what it didn't say? And it didn't indicate, say, there were glasses sitting out. And it didn't. So, possibly not. Because there was nothing about that. I just, Yeah, just the, all three of them going missing. It's so strange. I also find it interesting that they were like, we're, we're going to have all these dudes switched out. Let's get a canary. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you think them- like somebody would have a dog or something. I don't know. Or a cat. Yeah. That lighthouse cat would actually, that's quite an aesthetic I would enjoy. Yes. It's a lighthouse canary. Plus they had to carry that fucking cage up 166 <laughs> stairs. You had to really love that book. Yeah, the platform is crazy. And just seeing the steps like right up the side of this, straight up. And then, but we don't know if the canary belonged to one of those men. Oh my God, what a pain to bring a canary when you came out, however often you were assigned out. I mean, it was two weeks to of take assignment, it out but and back. I don't and know how many men were back, out. Or did they just take it out and leave it there? They were like, maybe it was a company my good canary. friend, and he'll also let us know if this mine. Wait, there's no mine here. <laughs> so. Yes, it's it's an it's an enduring mystery. It is, and That's yes, common really... sense dictates they were taken out by some sort of freak wave or gust of wind or something. But it, the circumstances are still so strange. Yes. So, it, and it'll never be solved, and their bodies were never found. And the clothing that they you think like a big oilskin coat might have turned yeah. up sometime, or a boot, <laughs> and nothing, huh? So. Fascinating. It is. That's a that's a really good one. It's a good one. I know. And I forgot about it. And I can't remember what reminded me. And I went, oh, my God. That's <laughs> <laughs> a cover to this story. So, all right, guys. Thank you for listening. Check us yes. out on buymeacoffee.com <laughs> forward slash MM Mayhem. And you can support us there or not support us there. I mean, that's your choice. It's a choice. And no. <laughs> And we'll be back next week, making just maybe as much if sense. we can keep the lights on. <laughs> no, I'll make more sense next week because okay. I won't be deeply Exhausted. sleep derived, yes. deprived, or derived. <laughs> I'm so sleep derived right now. <laughs> bye bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Mystery Monsters and Mayhem. Find us on Facebook and Instagram, or at our website, MysteriesMonstersMayhem.com. 
Please like, rate, and review, follow, and share wherever your favorite podcasts are downloaded. Thank you for listening and supporting our podcast. We'll be back next week with more shenanigans.